This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. This is more geared towards your athlete, but if you're an everyday guy or gal who has a blue-collar job and you have a lot of aches and pains, it works for you too. I take it on a regular basis. It's proven. It works. There's no THC involved or there's just a little bit, so you won't get high if you're worried about that. I've even given it to my pets. My cat was suffering from arthritis once, and I gave it to her. And she turned out fine, and she's now walking around without a limp. So it's proven to even work on animals. So go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Like I said, use promo code THEPODCAST25. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, please go to poppyapparel.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST. You'll receive 10% off. They have everything for any woman, any shape, size, any season, anything a woman needs or wants. They ship worldwide. It's free shipping if you spend more than $50. And lastly, go to firstworld.ca if you're into collectibles. This is a Canadian company I'm proud to support. They're out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into wrestling, if you're into sports, sign memorabilia, anything you need or want, go to firstworld.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. They update daily. They ship within North America. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds. And please, most importantly, go rate, subscribe, review the Big Ones Apple Podcasts, but you also could do it on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And finally, I know it, it, it's a mouthful. I got a lot of sponsors. I got to pay the bill somehow. <laughs> Please, if you want to support me directly, I have a merchandise store as well. Go to TeePublic, or if you're listening to me on your device, scroll down in the description. It's embedded right there. It takes you straight to the store. I got everything you need around from mugs to onesies to iPhone cases to laptop cases, anything you want, pillows. Like I said, please support the cause. It really helps me out. So, on to this week's guest. He is, in my opinion, the Canadian godfather of video game reviews, the host and creator of EPN, the ageless wonder himself, Mr. Victor Lucas. <laughs> How you doing, man? It's nice I'm, to meet you, Steve. I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. No, love it. So how are you getting through this uh, game avalanche? Because this is the season, right? 
It's the game Valanche, yeah. It's um, I, I'm nearing the end. My sleep has been terrible. It didn't help that I went to Japan and had to. Uh, I came back to a bunch of games. I, I right. hate complaining about how many games come out, but you know, at the end of right. the year, I got to review all of these things, and then we got in, get into the holiday gift guide things, which we just posted, and and uh, right. then it's the Rocket and Reagan Awards, and I hate missing games. I hate forgetting games. You know, I think it's. Um, it's one of the great luxuries that we have that we've always been, um, you know, very timely, very time sensitive. I don't, I don't work all year on the awards like Jeff does with his. Right. I, I, I put it together right at the end of the year, but it gotcha. means that we have, like, usually, and it's usually me that has to do a ton of cramming to make sure that, uh, um, you know, I feel good about representing everything that was shipped this year. Sure. So how do you get yeah. through every scene? Like, at least in the past, you had co-hosts, you had people you could lean on to help you out a bit. But now that it's yes. almost you solo, how do you get through a year's worth of video games? Uh, well, I, the, the short answer is I don't. I okay. mean, I, I do oh, the obviously. best that I can. Yeah. Um, I find that I there's less time for crap games and I think that it's important to talk about crap games Good. not just to not just to shit on them <laughs> uh, but to um, have the discussion about it because I don't I don't subscribe to the philosophy that people start out and they say let's make a terrible thing of course. you know I think people try to work their butts off to build something cool and I think it's interesting to dive into a lot of that content and to have a, an honest discussion about it. And I miss that. I, and, and that's what having all of those different uh, uh, co-hosts and, and other reviewers um, allowed us to do. So I, I, I can't get to every single thing, but I think we do, even to this day and over the last few years since we haven't been on TV, we still do a pretty good job at getting to most things and definitely all of the big things, wow. uh, which is a tremendous amount of game time. But honestly... You know, the whole idea for EP and reviews right from the beginning was so that this stuff was, um, you know, reviewed in a, in a real uh, honest and authentic way. And that of meant course. that I was committing my life, a big chunk of my life, to playing these games. I don't, I don't you know, <laughs> hand it off to somebody else to play and then you tell me what, what you think. Right. I play these things. So I'm in front of the computer or in front of the, the, the TV uh, an unhealthy amount of time. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and certainly there are periods throughout the year. It's not just in the holiday season now, right. too. The video game industry has matured so that they have these different release cycles. Like the uh, January last year was very busy, and, yeah. and uh, February this year was very busy, and February was quite busy. Because um, and, and stuff kind of shifts into, this, into the first quarter sometimes, but people are trying different quarters to launch a bunch of games. But there are definitely times of the year where it's like, oh my god, I cannot believe how many games I'm playing. <laughs> my brain is totally fried. And I definitely, as I've gotten older, it's it, it has uh, become increasingly more difficult to remember every storyline and every right. character. And, I, you know, in order to keep my sanity, so I'm not just reviewing video games all the time, I also see a lot of movies and I review TV shows and stuff too. Nice, yeah. Um, which makes it more interesting for my life, but also... It makes it uh, sometimes very tricky to remember, you know, where I, this character was and, you know, what show this character was from. I mean, a great example is uh, as cute as Baby Yoda is in The Mandalorian, right. BD-1 in uh, Jedi Fallen Order is is just as cute and exceptional. And sometimes I feel like, why, why isn't the Jedi Fallen Order, uh, you know, 
care why aren't those characters in the Mandalorian and vice versa you know right, right. Um, and I, I imagine that's going to become as games mature um, even harder for all of us to decipher because they're all going to feel more and more like movie quality stories no of course and especially it, like for me I hate that there's I shouldn't say I hate there's so many good games now but it's hard to go back and play like those retro games that I want to play like I have a mini Genesis I have like the mini Super Nintendo if you ask yeah. me how many hours I pumped into that, maybe what three, four hours? Because I just don't get yeah. to it. Because I'm, I would rather play the new stuff. So yeah, it's good to have that little lull in the summer, like there usually is. But I, I understand why the industry does it. Because obviously you want to ship out everything before Christmas, so the kids get it right. But yeah. if it was stretched out throughout the year, obviously it would be better for everyone, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is my job, right? Like this is what I do. So. I I play games all week long, and uh, you know my my wife and my daughter both know that this is what I have to do. I escape into my dungeon <laughs> and uh, my my back cave, and and uh, and I put a lot of hours into this stuff. And I try to remember to. I, luckily, I have one of these Apple watches that says "Time to stand up." You should stand up. There and you go. so some, sometimes I do, and I'm holding the. I'm standing and I'm playing the game. While I'm standing, um, there was a period there. I haven't done this in a while. There was a period where I would set my alarm on my phone to every hour, get up a bunch of push-ups, and then sit down and then play a bunch. Because oh, wow. it's so sedentary what we do. Um, <laughs> it's true. But I, I haven't done that in a while, so I don't want to. I don't want to sort of. And if you watch my videos, you can see that I haven't done it in a while. Uh, but uh, I mean, the one good thing that I I do continue to do is get outside and shoot the reviews, right. and you know, do a lot of walking. I don't drive, so I walk a lot, and uh, um, and I, you know, that that, that is also a, a health thing. So I'm not always inside and always surrounded by this stuff. But I put a ton of hours into it, and and I don't regret it. I think it's great, but right. Um, Sometimes it's like, oh man, I would like a break. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Especially by, especially by the end of the year, it's like, whoo, I would not mind not looking at a TV for a little while. Right? Oh my God, yeah. I could only imagine. So what are you playing right now, at, currently? I'm, I'm finishing Death Stranding, and that's okay. why we're, I was late starting with this, because I totally lost track of time. Oh, no worries. And uh, I've loved a lot of it, and I've hated a lot of it. And right. so it's been... Uh, uh, it's been a very interesting journey for me, and I, and I, I tomorrow I'm gonna, or I guess Monday I'll, I'll I'll go out and shoot my review, and it'll be in Monday's show. Um, and I'm still formulating what I'm going to think because I, I, I started off not liking it. I started to really fall in love with it, right. and I did like two reviews. Okay. And uh, but now I'm finishing it, and so I'm I'm having some completion thoughts here and some final thoughts, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, I'm finishing that, but I just did uh, Pokemon and Jedi Fallen Order. And I've got nice. Narcos on deck and Need for Speed on deck. I just got a code for Mech Warrior Five. Um, there's a bunch of indie games that I I, um, I want to put a few things together, and then uh, we've got uh, the Rocket and Raygun Awards that that we do every year is going to start to happen, and I'll be reaching out to our EPN community to. Uh, and some friends that I have across the business and maybe some uh, of my former colleagues uh, nice. to shoot me some videos and we'll put it all together in a nice package. Um, but this is the race to the end of the year. It's like, <laughs> let's let's see and play and, and touch as much as we can and then let's talk about what was truly the best stuff of the year. <laughs> That's cool. Well, let's start from the beginning. First, how did this whole thing come to be, which is now known as EPM, but first started as Electric Playground? What was the spark that made it all happen? 
Um, it was, uh, I, I was 27, and um, I was a waiter and an actor, mostly a waiter. And I, I realized that I was going to be um, uh, sort of relying on somebody to give me a break, you know. Mm. And I didn't feel that comfortable. I, I did get some work, but I didn't feel that comfortable sort of playing the waiting game and, and hoping that somebody was going to give me a chance or discover me or whatever. Right. And so I thought, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to change my life and, and uh, take control and and uh, come up with something that, that I can run. And I, th- I put down a hundred different ideas of different kinds of businesses or different kinds of uh, pursuits. And the one that I kept coming back to was a TV show that really went behind the scenes that was inspired by um, uh, old Entertainment Tonight, which used to be a good show, okay. uh, which actually used to go and visit movie sets and, and, and uh, talk to writers. And it was very interesting. It was very much like um, the, you know, the extras that we get on Blu-rays now. Right. Uh, um, and then and Siskel and Ebert. And I thought if you combine those two shows, you would have a really cool video game show. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I put together in a pitch document in 95. And then uh, I started talking to TV folks and, and video game folks. And it took a lot of um, uh, outreach and visits with game studios and visits with TV stations and going to TV um, conventions uh, eventually, we got on the air in 1997 mm-hmm. and uh, started as a self-syndicated show across Canada and down the west coast of the U.S. And, uh, you know, started to do some deals with cable networks and uh, different partners like Rogers, who was probably our longest running ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chum was great and G4 was great as well. And Discovery we had for a while and Turner we had for a while. Uh, and through all of those different relationships and partnerships, we... Um, just kept learning and adapting and growing and uh, trying new things, and we ended up making EP as a as a you know, started as a weekly weekend sh- half hour, and then right. um, we did that for a long time, and then we spun off and made reviews on the run or Judgment Day in the States as mm-hmm. a, as another weekly half hour, and then both of them eventually became daily half hour shows that were um, not just on cable; they were on mainstream stations that. Uh, would play uh, right up against the news. And in the States, we, we had EP running on the same stations that were running Entertainment Tonight or, wow. or um, Access Hollywood or TMZ or something like that. And people were watching. It was, it was rating very well. But just as that was happening, it, 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 especially in the video game space, the, uh, the huge move to Twitch and to YouTube was also happening. And so a lot of the um, sponsorship commitments and advertising dollars and everybody started to freak out is right. really what happened. And G4 failed as well, G4. That's right. Uh, and that story was was a hard one for us to kind of just, I think we, I mean, we lasted longer than anybody, <laughs> but when G4 failed, it was pretty hard to convince other broadcasters that, yeah, video game TV makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, but I feel like that's starting to change a little bit right now. I think people have had, uh, you know, quite enough of uh, the, the YouTube kind of style of, of content. And I think mm-hmm. people are starting to wake up to the idea that they're, is a way to make this um, uh, a little bit more palatable to more people and uh, uh, more team-centric than soapbox-centric. Right. And uh, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that ends up becoming a good thing for Electric Playground again. But I, I am a producer that likes to make things. I don't like to just sit around and wait for, for stuff to happen, you know. So that's no, why we've been true. making a ton of content since uh, we went off the air on TV. 
Well, well, I remember, I don't know if you were aware of this. Did you know that Electric Playground was aired in Portugal in 97, 98? Did you know about I, I, this? I, I didn't know where they aired it because okay. what was what was happening is Chum was doing deals. Um, I don't know how, what the terminology is, but I know that okay. there was like rebroadcasts of our stuff in lots of different places. I met some some guy, I don't know, know where I was. I think I was in, uh, I think I was in Prague or... Paris, oh, sure. And I met some Israeli guy that was a fan of EP, and he's like, "Oh my God, it's Victor Lucas!" I'm like, "What the? How do you even know who I am? What what is happening?" But yeah, I know. I know that we started to uh, to air in some different places. I did a deal once with an Italian network that ran a couple seasons of ours, but then never paid us. And uh, it, you know, I think the TV business uh, was mature. Uh, but there were there was also a lot of shadiness, and right. uh, you know, it, I I think what happened is TV got really sort of set in its ways, mm. and um, is it, it became so bureaucratic and so kind of focused on on um, you know big budgets tied to an era that was really quickly changing. You know, like it, it it cost a lot to produce things, and people got paid a lot of money. And team, and the uh, uh, not our show, but <laughs> I, I think the, the business itself was just overrun by the fact that the barrier to entry to production right. just became incredibly easy and mm-hmm. and low cost. And so all of this creativity and this distribution mechanism that YouTube and 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 Twitch and lots of other services have provided um, have really shaken up what television means. And uh, we got caught in that crossfire. I mean, we were there for a big chunk of that um, sort of golden era of television because, um, you know, cable was really starting to blossom as we were, as we were hitting the airwaves. Uh, But a lot of that, the manufactured costs for all of that stuff were just really too expensive and i you know a lot of broadcasters were really and they still are so it blows me away they're just so territorial and they're so much about like this is mine and it's got my brand on it and you can only watch it here and the world isn't like that anymore the world likes to see stuff wherever they can get it you know whenever they want it you know it's so so true should have been uh Rather, you know, this is what I say all the time is that the TV networks and the TV broadcasters really mm-hmm. let the world reverse engineer their industry and build it uh, build it again for di- uh, internet distribution mm. instead of the the broadcasters and the networks defining that and taking their discipline and their teams and their employees and partners and finding a way to distribute their material over the internet as well as mm. TV. And that's what they should have done, but they were all freaked out about putting their stuff online. And it's crazy because it's true. People don't want to be in that restraint. Like That's why Netflix and all these streaming services work, because you don't have like a certain time frame. Like An episode could be 20 minutes, an episode could be 49 minutes. You don't have to yeah. cram or delete certain parts that you don't want to as like a creator just to fit in that time constraint, right? So I think it... Yeah. They should learn from a little bit of both. Obviously, TV is always going to have its place, but all, and now digital and streaming. So why not try to combine the two, like how you're saying, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, But yeah, yeah what, what can you do when you're stuck in that way? You're stuck in that way, right? 
Yeah, and hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. You know, I, I think uh, when you get to be a big business, a lot of it is just like, how do you preserve that big business and how do you protect right. your job? And, um, you know, I don't envy any executives at any media company right now. It's just really, really hard. I, I guess I am one, but it's uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I know how hard it is to right. – uh, to to get attention for your work you know and um uh there's yeah there's lots of little they're not little there's lots of big audiences for low-hanging fruit production Mm, you know and uh um but people like what they like and you can't really control that you know so true yeah as long as you put your 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 what do they say your your best yeah foot forward best foot forward yeah. there you go yeah well i honestly i think in this era too and i think this probably goes to to you i mean you've created your own business with your podcast i think uh you know if you've got a creative idea that that you want to do you and this was certainly true with my case it was never with like i want to get rich you know like this yeah. is going to this is going to be everything that I need for the, you know, I want, I, I need to make so much money before we make anything. Right. It's never that. Yeah. And I, I think that's, what's kept me sane. Um, and been able to adapt to all of these changes and, and, uh, because the work, the reward is the work. The of reward course. is the ability to, you know, create a platform and respect that platform and mm-hmm. have fun with this, with the effort and the energy that you put out there. And we all have that ability now. Like there are no barriers or no restraints, right? So, and I encourage anybody that, that has any um, desire to, uh, you know, write something or perform something or direct something or, uh, you know, make something to, to make it, you mm-hmm. know, there are no excuses anymore. And um, that that is one of the great things about the world that we live in right now. I know, and it's so cliche too. And when, when people always say, "As long as you work hard, it'll come," but it's so damn true. Like two or three yeah. years ago, I would not think I'd be talking and looking at Mr. Victor Lucas today, right? And look, <laughs> like this little old podcast that just started with me and my cousin just talking and making fun of each other now blossomed into me talking to people that I've grown up watching and seeing on TV, and like yep. you know what I mean. And it's like, wow, it's true. Just put, just go out there and do it, and you're gonna fail, obviously, when you first start. But that's what makes you better because if you don't fail. You don't know what's wrong, right? So, well, right, and and anybody that you've talked to on your podcast has had that same kind of persistence to right. uh, uh, find a way to get people to pay attention to their stuff. And I, you know, you were very cordial in your outreach to me, and I was like, oh yeah, this is this sounds great. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know all of the work that you have done, but of course, I, I don't totally expect respect. It. Yeah, I respect that you. You hustle and you, you you get out there and you try to talk to people and and you try to put some good stuff out into the world. I think that's amazing. And uh, honestly, that's the win. You know, right. maybe money comes. Exactly. But the win is to be to to do it. You know, the win is to like create something and this to point it and say I made that. You know, that's the win. It's so true. No, I hear you. And like you said, you can't chase the money because then it, it'll never come. The money comes as a result of working hard, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, the flip of it is is don't work for free. Like, of don't course. do your stuff for somebody else for free. <laughs> right. But if you're creating your own thing, then, um, you know, just know that sometimes it takes a while for the, the money to come. But in this world that we are right now, um, because of, you know, how many different 
you know, sources of information there are in the world and different ways to be entertained right now, um, really be into it for the desire to create something rather right. than the desire to, you know, stuff your bank. Uh, I'm just going to throw my cat out. She's climbing around all over my action figures. Uh, I, don't, I don't want her to knock anything over. Okay, one second. <laughs> All right, I'm back. <laughs> no worries. My cats have interrupted my podcast as well, so don't worry about it. <laughs> They've made appearances in the background. <laughs> all right, so what game got you hooked into all this that is your life today? What was that game back in the day that you're like, hmm, I want this to be my life? Well, yeah, I was an arcade kid. Not, not not like the um, Stranger Things type of arcade. There was uh, a pool hall where I grew up in Vancouver in a in an area called Kitsilano, and it was run by uh, a bunch of Greek dudes. And uh, it was it was kind of a Greek community there, and um, there'd be a lot of like old Greek guys playing back backgammon and okay. young Greek guys playing pool. <laughs> and there was pinball for a while, and then the video game started to happen. And I was a young kid, and I remember hanging out with friends and we just go in there and I'd start to see these games like Pac-Man and Space Invaders and Galaxian and mm. uh, th- they were just all incredible and I was really appreciative of the entertainment they were providing me but I also recognized how expensive it would be you know having to find those quarters all the time of course uh, and then I, you know I was right there with the Atari 2600 and my mom actually had been um she had programmed computers and worked with computers oh, wow. at the uh, Bank of Montreal in, in uh, Montreal. Okay. And uh, so she had an awareness. And so we had like early Pong systems nice. and, you know, when it was like table tennis, when it was just like variations of Pong. Mm-hmm. And then the Atari 2600 came out and our next door neighbors had um, had the machine and I was babysitting one of their kids. And uh, I could not believe that you could have a, a game system <laughs> that you could change the cartridges and have all of these different types of experiences. And so that right. became a huge obsession. And then um, I was always disappointed, though, because I played arcade games and then the Atari 2600 stuff would have this killer box art and the games would never look anywhere close to the <laughs> box art or the arcade. So I was like, I God, and the games were expensive, too. They were 50 bucks back then. I had a paper route and I spent all my money on that stuff. <laughs> um, and then I guess, uh, but ColecoVision got pretty damn close. And they did a pretty good job at sort of uh, getting an approximation of that arcade experience. So I think if if I had to call any, I don't know if it's a game, but I think it was the the ColecoVision era wow. was really like influential for me because I saw that these things there was vast improvement and it was starting to happen and it was accessible to us you know and then i had a vectrex and i had atari computers sure um i I, there is a game that i remember my grandmother was visiting she was from um the uh, windsor area and she was visiting our family and we had a ColecoVision. and i remember her face um just filled with delight as she was playing the smurfs game on the ColecoVision, which to my eyes as a kid was like wow this is i'm playing a cartoon right here this is so cool you know but i loved old uh, activision games like river raid and and robot tank and enduro um i loved uh defender i i, I mean robotron's my favorite old arcade game okay i loved tron tron was so yeah. 
the movie and the games, they were so freaking cool and so inspirational, you know. But I think it, it, it's honestly all of this journey started with Star Wars. And I think really? if you talk to anybody that, yeah, is from my generation okay. and a lot of people that I've interviewed over the years mm-hmm. on EP share that kind of uh, that story as well. Star Wars was was much more than a movie. It was like uh, it was like cracking open the uh, the potential for imagination. Right. It was like a Pandora's box. It was mm-hmm. a movement. You know, and it influenced everybody, comic book creators, toy makers, uh, video game makers, storytellers of every shape and form, musicians. And certainly for me, I can point to that as because I saw Star Wars in the theater. I can point to that as uh, transformative. (laughs) I was in that era, man. So 1977, I I see Star Wars. 1978, I see Close Encounters in the theater. 78, I see uh, Superman, the movie, in the theaters. Um, I didn't see Alien in the theaters because I was too young. But Mm. we saw it eventually on VHS. But 1980, I was the first in line in Vancouver at the Stanley Theater to go and see The Empire Strikes Back on the opening day. Right. And uh, uh, same thing with Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You know, all of that stuff. All of that stuff was so big for me. That's why I wanted to be an actor first. Um, but I was—I always had this love of movies and, and escapism in that direction. I was a huge comic collector, loved toys, right. um, and video games were I, something that I was always—I was the guy that had all the games. You know, all my friends would come over. My mom wanted to charge me for electricity because the <laughs> games were always on at my house. <laughs> and uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, and I just I loved it, and I I, I saw as a as a teenager I saw that people were emotionally connected to games, mm-hmm. um, even when they were just little sprites, even when they were just little tiny dots, you know, like people had. Usually, it was anger or <laughs> or That's me. exhilaration, yeah, because you would <laughs> defeat. But there was an emotional like, and 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 then when I got into acting school, right. I was playing games like crazy, and okay. I would tell the teachers that it was the games I was playing last night that I was tapping into for the emotions that I would bring to my performance and they would ask like where, where did you find the feelings that you had for this this uh, this read right there where you did right. where you just performed that on, on stage and as well, I was playing this game last night it was mm-hmm. just kicking my ass and I was so angry I threw the controller and and that's what I remembered and that's how I could get so angry in that scene and it's like <laughs> and I think I was the only one that was saying that but I think it was uh that was like uh, that was the arrow towards me coming up with electric playground i think oh my god so all of it and it's hilarious that you bring up ColecoVision because a few weeks ago I had Steve Tilly on and we talked yeah. about ColecoVision because it was my first system going up and it's what got me into video games and same thing with him and he even brought up the Smurfs and everything. So I guess it's something about that 80s, late 70s, early 80s generation that, yep. you know what I mean? That was our jam as they say, right? <laughs> yeah, and Steve and I are pretty close in age too, yeah. So we're, we're going to share a lot of that. Uh, I, I actually Instagrammed, I was when I was in Tokyo, I went to a toy store and I took a picture of... Uh, some Ertl Blade Runner toys, some okay. cars, and Steve was like, "Where did you see those? How do I get those?" And then he texted me and he said, "Did you buy those things? If you didn't buy them, tell me where you got them. I'll send my friend to Tokyo to go get them." And it's oh, wow. like we're birds of a feather, man. Right? Yeah. 
It's so true. Just something about that generation. It's like it, yeah. it's true. Nowadays, you have so many different types of what people like, what people don't like. But back then, everyone, like you said, grew up on Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Indiana Jones. Yeah. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Like all these things yes. is what shaped our childhood, right? Yeah, it's weird, right? Like there was way it had. It was inevitable that like Springsteen had a song about 500 channels and nothing on or something like that. You know, right. it was inevitable that we were going to go to this point of. Uh, there's as many ways to watch something as mm-hmm. there is things to watch, right? You know, or play. It feels <laughs> it's like true. Uh, and we're in this interesting dynamic right now. I was thinking about that with Stadia as well. Like, it, you know, I've got a Steam account and uh, an Origin account, mm-hmm. a Ep- an Epic Store account. I've got the PlayStation. I've got the Xbox. I've got the. You know, it's not just like we were complaining about the idea that there were now three different consoles in the race a few mm-hmm. years ago now like there are so many like the vr is a console right or is a console war you know exactly. like there's variations of what you can do to play with vr it, it it's the channels are limitless mm-hmm. which is that you know it goes back to why it's so hard to be discovered you know that's and we're, we we are in a totally unique and weird age, you know, because I, I recognize that that EP came late to YouTube because we were on TV, right? But I I also know that EP is an important media brand for a lot of people in in the professional world because we have this legacy and and the way that we put our our uh, coverage together, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I know that there's a lot of YouTube channels that might have more subscribers and more views on their videos and stuff, but people still reach out all the time, and I hear from developers all the time that they really want EP and me right. to cover their stuff, you know? And I I, uh, I want to honor that as much as possible, but it, it, uh, it it's, it's interesting that a channel like ours, a media outlet like ours, can, can sort of ride this current you know mm. and ride these different waves of change um but yeah there are a billion different ways to get your your things now <laughs> and so if you make oh, no. something uh i think you just have to find the joy in the making of it and just persevere and uh you know be be thankful that that you've got an audience at all you know right? <laughs> honestly that's exactly <laughs> it it's so true yeah. It is so true. Okay, I don't want to put you on the spot and ask you who your favorite co-host has been over the time because they've all been awesome. But yeah. what has been your favorite review? Like either, not say that your favorite game, but the most fun you had reviewing a game with a co-host of yours. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, man, I, 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 I'll tell you, I loved reviewing stuff with Tommy where he would get passionate and we would fight, you know, and argue about stuff like uh, right. uh, when we did Homeworld and he just did not get it or we did KOTOR or High Heat Baseball. Yeah, you know, those those are fun to shoot and also um, anxiety-inducing because, like, I'm, I'm the – the producer on the show and i i i don't want to see tommy get so pissed off that he has to storm off set or something like that we we have to finish the shoot uh but i know that it's fun content when we're making it and those are really fun um likewise there were moments with scott where he would he would just do something that i didn't expect at all i remember we were Mm -hmm. reviewing a backpack 
early when when we were just starting to get to know each other and he's such a zany guy he he put on the backpack and just started running off camera he just ran away Whoa. with the backpack on to show that the backpack is super portable and light and i'm like where did he go he just ran away from the shoot and i like that that would always make me bust out laughing like the guy was fearless right and i loved that but i honestly i feel like the most gratifying time for me was when Tommy, you know, had to make the call that he was going to put all of his energy into video games live. Mm. And we just couldn't figure out the timing and the schedule. And we were growing, like we had more shows to deliver and I needed a commitment from him or we had to work it out and he just couldn't commit to the show and he left. And I was freaking out because I'd done so many years of, of television with Tommy. I was like, what the mm. hell am I going to do now? Everybody knows Vic and Tommy doing these things together, you know? That's true. And uh, But that put me in a position to hire people that I had connected with over the years and, and had built a rapport with at different events and things like Ben Silverman and mm-hmm. had Mark Saltzman and Steve Tilley and Jeff Keeley was in there and Scott, I had to convince him. <laughs> and when I, when I was doing that... Um, uh, that routine of working with all of these different people and flying them to Vancouver or meeting them in their different cities, it, that was really strengthening for me. So it's a kind of a, a cop-out answer because yeah. I can't really pinpoint the one specific one, but that was a great and instrumental era for me because that really put the onus on me to be a solid partner for all of these other people. Right. And, um, and to help them become more comfortable and better in front of the camera. And and uh, I learned a lot, and I think everybody that I work with did as well. And it also made me realize that, um, uh, you know, that I was confident enough and capable enough to, uh, to work with lots of different people and to help them uh, create good work for a good finished product. And I'm very proud of the early stuff that we did, but I'm also incredibly proud of how we grew and how all of these different uh, dimensions of EP and reviews on the run ended up being super entertaining. And, it, you know, I actually, I heard this uh, great comment from a, a friend of mine who makes video games, who was who obsessed watching reviews every night on TV. And he said that my favorite part of the show is watching uh, Sean and Marissa do uh, reviews on the run of all the, the mobile stuff because we had them doing a bunch of mobile games, like three yeah. in a segment or something. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I love doing that because when they finish their segment, I can go during the commercials, I can download all the stuff that they love. And I, that wow. was just really – that. Yeah, when I hear feedback like that, it's like the show has gone to a different level than, than just about – my work, you know, or, or what I kind of envisioned for EP or what I have a neurosis about, like, do people like me? Do they like the show when it's, when it becomes a, a a useful thing for people and a valuable thing for people, it, it, it goes well beyond what my dream or my concerns were, you know? And, and that was really cool. I also, uh, had not planned for what happened, but as we became more sort of mainstream and, and uh, more accessible, um, families were watching the shows together. I figured at, at the you know when we launched it that we'd get the gamers and the people that really love this stuff, and hopefully the game industry itself would watch. I used to tell the developers that if if you don't like EP, then we failed because this right. is about you. Um, 
and they did. They watched, and the and the gamers watched. But then whole families would watch together, and and sometimes I'd walk down the street in Vancouver or Toronto or whatever, and mm-hmm. and uh, and a family would stop me and and talk to me about it, or you know, an, an older uh, couple or a grandfather or a little kid. It's like <laughs> wow, we we are reaching a lot of people, and uh, and they're watching it together, and that that was awesome and that's one thing that i really miss now because i feel like we all have our own tvs in our pockets and we all just watch what we want and i'm sure this is probably true in your household and the households of people listening to this right now is is everybody watches their own thing (laughs) on their own little screen and and nobody really sort of gets that communal let's watch something together thing unless it's like a specified movie night or something and uh that's kind of what i miss about the tv era you know, and hopefully, I'm hoping, I really am hoping that we find some way to get back to that a little bit, you know, because I think the greatest thing that we were able to accomplish, apart from putting a, a, an amazing group of people together, was was building content that was traditionally recognized as super geeky and super, um, you know, just for gamers. And we turned it into, you know, family friendly entertainment that people would would legitimately watch together across generations no it's true like i said even in my uh instance when i brought it up earlier seeing you in portugal for the first time in 97 98 i saw you and tommy review resident evil and you the way you guys reviewed that game made me want to play it so then i ended up playing it and i'm like oh okay these guys know what they're doing and then i ended up finding out when i moved back to canada that these guys were canadian and it's well at least you were and then it's like what the hell what's going on here and then i started watching and then again I trusted your guys' opinions to the point where I had to watch you before buying something that I, I, I wanted to purchase. Right, so that's awesome, man. Thank it, you. It goes across. I hope all- I haven't. St- I hope I haven't steered you wrong. No, well, Scott might have steered me a few times wrong, but you never. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the other thing I miss about uh, this current YouTube era. Is like I don't have the budget to um, to go out with two people every time, and I can't. Right. I, you know, I was I, impl- I was able to employ a lot of people for a long time, so it feels very weird for me to say, "Hey, you want to come over and we'll just shoot something." I can't pay you, but you know, play this forever and then come over and we'll. Re-. So I don't I, I don't do that, even though I I think some of the guys would probably be into it because it's I'm fun sure to just would. play the games. Right. I, I can't do it. Like I I philosophically I'm opposed to that. Um, but I miss the hell out of that that dialogue, right? right. Because pe- I know that people found their favorites and they recognized the yep. individuals and they said well he's got or she's got the taste that's a little bit more like me and mm-hmm. and uh i think it's really important and I, honestly i feel like that's one of the big things that's missing with uh with criticism around games today is it's really hard to just have an open dialogue there's a lot of podcasts and things like that sure. but that consistent you know, Siskel and Ebert were the damn best. You know, know what they were. They were just incredible, right? <laughs> what a gift both of those guys were. To especially, I mean, they came up during the '80s, and we were all yep. watching them as, uh, as nerds falling in love with all this move, these crazy, you know, imaginative movies. And then there were these two gentlemen that were so passionate about film, and they had to critique all of this crazy mm. shit that these guys were coming up with. Right. And that discussion was just marvelous. You know, and but was what I recognized when I watched it, and then what I interpreted into what we did is that the best stuff that they did is when they went off of the script, when they just they finished all of their sort of 
you know, their written kind of dissection yes. of what they thought. And then they just went at each other. And I went, that's our show. That is what EP and reviews should be is when, yep. when they're off book and they're just honestly going back and forth. And I knew, uh, I knew players would tap into that. No, it's true. Cause I, I don't remember which EP co-host I asked about that. Cause I've had numerous amounts of you guys now on pretty much all of you's, but I, that was one of the main questions I wanted to know. Were you guys scripted or was it all off the cuff? And I think it was yep. Scott who said it, uh, if I, if I'm not mistaken, something like, yeah, we knew what we were going to say, but we just went off each other and it was all just what you saw is what you got. Right. Yep. And, yep. and I think that, like you said, that's what made it better. So on that note, what was like the craziest thing out of the blue to ever happen to you re- recording? Oh, I mean, we, we would be shooting and we got flashed a couple times. <laughs> uh, um, oh, shit. Def- we definitely got kicked out of places a lot. Right. And, yes. You know, we just set up the camera and just start rolling. And, and then some security <laughs> guard would come, get out. You have to leave. And we're yeah. like, we're in the middle of this. And they said, I don't care. Get out. And we, you know, and then sometimes they'd be cool, and they would let us finish, and then we and we would apologize, and they would okay. say yes, but next time you have to go and do it. And I was like, okay, we promise we will. Um, <laughs> so that happened all the time. Uh, I mean, I, I had a, I had some crazy things where I, I, I talked to Robin Williams on the show floor at, at E3, wow, um, awesome. and he, he was friends with uh, uh, Bing Gordon, who was one of the. Uh, major guys at ea for a long time and they mm-hmm. were very close and robin williams was a huge gamer and bing was walking robin through the through the hall okay. and uh i stopped bing and i said bing do you think robin would be cool with me just shooting a quick interview with him about and he said sure yeah and oh, uh and so i started this interview with robin and it was just he and i and my cameraman and the sun gun right and and then i i turn around and there's a fucking greek like amphitheater filled with people all of a sudden because <laughs> we just stopped traffic in the middle of e3 and I just, there were hundreds of people just like oh my god it's robin like everybody kind of because the minute you turned that light on it was it was a big deal and so i got super nervous because i'm with like one of the fastest minds on earth of course but i got a a couple of questions in with him and he was great um that kind of stuff happened i went to um i mean i had i had my whole career has been kind of crazy circumstances and and uh, i've met a lot of my heroes um, but w- one year we, I, I covered the, uh, MTV movie awards okay. and, um, I was doing the green carpet and I talked to George Lucas and, and, uh, uh, Baz Luhrmann and Will Ferrell and all that stuff ended up in the show. And it was really a thrill, you know, like mm-hmm. it was awesome. I, t- I asked Harrison Ford about when the next Indiana Jones movie was coming, wow. you know, so it was a lot of like really cool moments. But then, um, I, uh, they were all all the stars were going into this uh, this sort of back room, this back tent area, and and I uh, I wanted to kind of just peek my head in to see uh, where everybody was walking and, and what was going on back there. And so I, I I walked up there and I had my bag of beta tapes on on me. It was an <laughs> Xbox bag filled with beta <laughs> SP tapes. Okay. And and as I was walking, the the, uh, the security guy just got out of the way. And I guess because I was in makeup and I had my hair spiked and all that stuff, and I guess he just thought that I was one of the people that was at MTV or whatever. And sure. and so he just moved out of the way, and I was like, <laughs> I'm in the party. And I, and so I walked into the party, yeah. and 
and I, you know, like I just walked off the re- the the green carpet of the thing, and I, all of a sudden I'm in the green room talking with Toby Maguire and wow. Hugh Jackman and and Sofia Coppola, and uh, <laughs> it was surreal. But I was alone, and that was the weird thing. I was like, I'm in the party by myself with my bag of of tapes, and <laughs> and, and well. I'm talking to people about video games, and and uh, but it was cool. It was it was really cool. There's there's I don't know. I mean. I've been I've been very lucky, Steve. I've been very lucky. You know, I've worked hard, but I've been uh, I've been able to achieve way more than I I dreamed. Whatever imagined, know? right? No, exactly. It's true. Like even <laughs> I, like I, I always sit around the head too on this. Like I would never imagine talking to these type of people. And when you think you've hit your peak, it's like oh no, there's still more, and you keep going and you keep going, and it's like almost a never ending. Until I guess maybe I don't know. I don't know, but in your case, when when are you plan on stopping? But you just keep going until I guess that day comes organically. Is that safe to say? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, like I think you you take stock, um, and and the end of the year is always a good time to kind of do that and kind of recognize like what do you want to achieve. Um, one thing that I'm I'm like this year has been really cool because we've been shooting EP live at in a live venue at the Vancouver Film School Cafe, That's which right. I've never produced EP before like that. And uh, so we have people come to the audience, like sit in the audience with mm-hmm. us, and they participate in the show, and I love that. Um, it's it's stressful because we got to put a show together and we got to put yeah. a lot of stuff together. But I like that challenge. Uh, but one of the things that I've, I've really recognized this year, I think that there is a, a rampant um, pessimistic skepticism, um, partially earned, um, about video game developers hyping up their stuff and talking about new games and new mm. features and stuff that are coming up in their games. Right. So I've, I've always, I've always tried to talk to these people like people and try to get a, a sense of like right from the beginning, like to get a sense of how they get their inspiration and, and, um, their, you know, their, their teams and their work ethic and, and, uh, how they inspire other people. And, and so I've created a different kind of a niche. And I think when people see the interviews that I do, I think they, um, they appreciate that and they respect that. But one thing that I've started to do this year uh, is tap into a lot of um, not forgotten people, but people that we we recognize as important to games or other medium. Right. And, but but they haven't really had a uh, you know an interview in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I had Tom Kalinsky, who was at at Sega. He was the president of Sega during the Genesis era oh, okay. on this year, right. and that was awesome. I just personally, that was just an incredible moment for me. You know, I, I've loved all of the guests that we've had on, but I, I find great satisfaction. Like Ed Annunziata, who was the creator of Echo the Dolphin, was on mm. the show oh, wow. earlier this year, and I had him on with. Uh, uh, James Milkey and Sam Kennedy, who had just created another dolphin game for VR this year, and so we had them talking about dolphins and video games. <laughs> but I, I, it, it took a little bit of, um, you know, convincing to get Ed to, to agree to be on. But he was wonderful, and and uh, so I, I don't know. I've got this new passion now that I really want to, you know, catch up with some of these these innovators, these people that that created things that were personally meaningful for me, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, find out how they kind of got their start and, and what they remember of that time. And so that's my new kind of fire right now. But I still love talking with, with new developers of every size and scale. I like indie people and I like, uh, uh, you know, talking with people that are running or part of huge teams. Um, you know, I, I, 
I, my, my love for the medium and for the creativity in the medium just keeps growing, you know? Of course. And, and yeah. that's when you know you still want to keep doing it. Because obviously if you don't fall out of love of it, then you want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, I, like, and I, honestly, because I feel like there's so much um, like third-hand gossipy type BS on, mm. on uh, the internet video. Like so much of it is reading a, a Reddit leak and then spinning it or reading sure. somebody else's editorial and just like literally reading somebody else's work as part of your video is mm-hmm. just, it just gets under my skin. I just think right. that's, that's, that's a really crappy way to make a living, you know, but people are watching that and, and, uh, I, people like what they like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think my stubbornness to try to get to the people, the individuals that, uh, that actually, you know, try and right. endeavor and they don't always succeed, but, uh, I, I don't, I, I, that is inspiring to me. I like doing that. So, uh, you know, hopefully people find that stuff and, and, uh, get something out of it, you know? No, of course. I totally get a trust. Cause that's what I sort of do too. I talk to the people either I know about and I've grown up with or, that I guess I've seen on a regular versus what's hip and trendy. You know what I mean? Because what's hip and trendy might yep. not be there the next day. But if you know they have a long career yep. or if they've done something in the past, or you as a fan or anyone, you have these insider questions that no one else would have thought of or cookie cutter questions, yeah. as they say, right? So Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. <laughs> One thing I, I wanted to know, how much work and how much grief did you get for your top 100 video games and movies? Oh, I think people really respected that. Actually, I think we we definitely pissed some people off, and and uh, we got tweets and stuff as it was hitting the air, and it, it we didn't really get any like anger. I think until okay. it was on YouTube because oh. YouTube is like this open door for being caustic. It feels like that's right. like you know like. The comments on YouTube are like, whoa, man, people just don't hold back. Um, but I think f- for the most part, people really respected the uh, uh, the choices and how we came to them. And I think we presented them really well. I'm really proud of that. And, you know, we had to – it was a lot of work for sure. And it was uh, the, it was a, t- a small team of us, Scott and I, and, and um, a couple of producers mm-hmm. at, at the company kind of sitting down and, and writing out a ton of ideas and, and – you know, in certain cases, it was like, does this this whole trilogy or this group of games is it fair to, that we put them in at a number, or is it we right. just pick the best one out of? So there's a lot of discussion about that. I don't. It's all subjective whether we were right or wrong with a lot of that stuff. But I think we did a pretty damn good job at uh, isolating um, the right things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe the orders could be different for whoever you know a person's taste. And in terms of uh, the production work that was in the middle of us um, having to start uh, uh, letting people like like we were starting to get less money right mm. around that time, gotcha. and so we had to make some staffing decisions, and it was really hard. And and that was that d- the decision to do that was kind of born out of like what the hell are we going to do in terms of creating content because mm. we had episodes to deliver um, if we can't afford the same amount of people working on everything, you know? Right. Uh, and that, that was something that I proposed and, and we all went for it. And, and, uh, I think it worked out 
quite well, you know, and I'm happy yeah. that we did it. And I know that it's time to revisit it because that was almost 10 years ago, I think, at this point. Wow, I can't that even remember long already? Shit. Well, it was, it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, we're getting close to 10 years ago. I think that was 2013. Oh, wow. I think that was 2013. So, yeah, seven years seven ago. Seven years, that's so long time. Wow. Yeah, a lot of stuff has come out since then, right? The that's whole true. world has changed. We're about to get a whole new console generation. So we, we missed kidding. all of this era. Yes. Right? Right? Most definitely. Uh, and Breath of the Wild is my favorite game of all time now. Really? You know? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, I, I just officially announced to uh, like as if my opinion's important, but my favorite game of all time now has become Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Awesome. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a game where it, I mean there's there's definitely similarities into uh, with uh, Breath of the Wild, right? It's a game that just keeps it's like all of this emergent gameplay just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. It's massive. And I think that's what is going to push the video game systems forward because I like I in my opinion at least I think we're at finally the level where you're going to get good quality no matter what across the board you know what i mean you're going to get a good story you're going to get good graphics good running yeah everything you know yeah. but moving forward it's going to be this immersive uh worlds where you could just go into like literally play a game all year and not even miss a beat like you know what i mean i think that's in my opinion that's going to be the focus moving forward that's going to be a tough thing for an industry you right? know that'll be a good thing for those hit games but if every game is, um, you know, taking so many hours, oh, and honestly, that's what Des- that's what Bungie banked on with Destiny and and mm-hmm. Activision. Um, that I mean, League of Legends is is uh, has made a massive studio out of Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certainly individual games that you can point at that have defined a, 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 a they're, they almost they're almost their own industry, but. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we we can have a few too many of those, and then suddenly nothing gets played, and then you know a few of those will take up the max amount of time that that people will have for video games, and then uh, a lot of companies go out of business. You know, that's so true. I, too. I, I I almost feel like, um, well, I'll tell you, as a producer, as a as a person that has told stories and has tried to inspire more people to play. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know if the I know that there are more people playing now than ever before because mobile games have come in and people will play those games even if they hate them. They just play them because they're time killers yeah. and they're completely disposable, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Gets people in the door, but I don't know if the you know. I, I just I don't have those numbers in front of me, and I never really think about the statistics and all this stuff. But I don't know how much more the devout game consumer has grown in this generation. Mm. Um, like the PlayStation Four is the top selling machine, but I don't know if it has trounced previous selling consoles. Gotcha. Um, and you know, certainly. The PS4 selling as well as it's done in the face and the era of mobile gaming is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's that kind of hardware that delivers the most satisfying escapism in this medium. 
and the easiest things for me as a storyteller around this stuff mm-hmm. um, to put on screen and say, you should be paying attention to this. Right. I don't think that as cool as Apple Arcade is and, and Grindstone is one of my fave games on the uh, on that platform. It's made by um, Capybara Games out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. But if I'm going to talk about Grindstone on uh, TV um, or, you know, or like some news segment or something like that. Sure. People are going to go, hey, that looks just like Candy Crush, mm. you know, with with a barbarian. But if I talk about Spider-Man no, and, and I say, you can be Spider-Man mm-hmm. and you can feel like Spider-Man and look at these visuals. And, and I feel like we need way more of those. Mm. And we need we need those to not be thousand hour games. We okay. need those to be like 30 or 40 hour games, like seasons of TV. Mm. And we need, we need them to inspire lots of other companies and get people to, to buy them en masse. And I think that's where we'll see real growth uh, and real um, crossover acceptance. Like I, I really hope that this Jedi Fallen Order game is killing it. I hope it's just a huge, huge hit to help fly in the face of EA's desire if Anthem had been successful, mm-hmm. EA could easily have become the Anthem company. Mm-hmm. And that sounds ridiculous now, but that's what's kind of happening, you know? Like that's when true. one of these things hits, and, and and that can be great. Like it's great that uh, Digital Extremes had so much success with Warframe, but it's also a bit of a, a trap too. It's also like, you know, I'm sure that developers would like to do something else but they can't because they got all these people to pay playing their game every single day and it's very successful which you can never knock so i don't know i'm I'm a little bit of two minds like i think that there's definitely room for people that just want to get lost in those kinds of games and play them forever and ever but i feel like um because because i'm in you know like i created this programming because I believe in this medium more than any other. And I feel like, you know, I'll, I spend way more time with video games than I do anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because it's my job. It's because it's better. You know, <laughs> it already is better. Love it. It's more fun. Yes. Um, and if we get more people to think like that, yes, then please. they will get better and better and better and bigger and bigger. And, and, you know, like my thought is like Jedi Fallen Order. I don't know if you played it, but it's really freaking good. It's like okay. a cool Star Wars story, and it pulls mechanics from God of War and oh, nice. Uncharted and uh, the Souls games, okay. and it's very accessible. And they've got like a story mode in there, so if, if you uh, want to dumb down the difficulty and just experience the story, yeah, you can. When I play that, I realize that you know in 10 years the best star wars mm-hmm. will be in video games the very best so. there's been great star wars video games but the very best star wars stories are mm-hmm. going to be in games and if we help to nurture that with the right choices on investment and the consumers show up for that um it will you know i want that growth i don't gotcha. want growth in games based on clash of clans and league of legends of course and warframe and i don't i don't mean to throw any shade at any of those (laughs) people and or or wish them not to have success but i um 
yeah, I want it to feel a little more prestigious than that. I want it to feel less like, ah, I get in and I get all these hours of entertainment mm-hmm. and I don't have to pay any money or it's very, it's very affordable and it's yeah. really good. Um, but yeah, okay, yes, I have to do the same things over and over and over again. Or right. I, I did, I did this mission, and now I'm doing it backwards. But I've got a green coat on, you know. Like it's, I, I don't like people can love that stuff. That's cool, but I, I don't know. I maybe it's because I love uh, third person action adventure story based games. Those yeah. are my favorite games. That's yeah, why I love too. Zelda and I love the Batman games. Yeah. And I love Uncharted and God of War of and course. Jedi. Fallen Order and Spider-Man, like these are the things that just completely entrance me, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I feel like I feel like they are very accessible to more people if the games industry uh, makes the right choices there. No, of course, and I guess I'm thinking more selfishly in one-track mind because I don't have time to play every game. So if people could yeah. just give me one good solid game every, say, four to six months, I'm set. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, you're right. Like that's the uh, that's the way most busy people consume this stuff for sure. You know, um, and I think that has to be a consideration too. Like, you know, quality of life in terms of like uh, speeding through things and and right? being judicious and being edit. You know, like being smart with your edits. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly important part of uh, uh, you know realistically entrenching this media. And not wasting people's time. I think that's very important for sure. Um, but a lot of people, they have the time, they may not have the money, mm. and they may not want to think about other things. True. You know, they may just want to jump into something because their buds are there and they just want to play all that. And I think video games do that. And I also think that video games serve a uh, um, kind of a sporting uh, mentality as well. People that love to you know, congregate around a uh, NBA or NHL or whatever, mm-hmm. or an equivalent of that in shooters, sure. um, where it, it's just like watching a, a, a like a league sports thing on TV, mm-hmm. but it's a video game uh, for those in in terms of that same kind of escapism. Um, but I I feel like these third person character based story uh, action adventure hybrids are like the Marvel movies of this medium, you know, Makes they're, sense. they're like the, uh, the James Bond franchise, mm. not, not necessarily licensed, but the, like, those are the types of things that will end up being, I don't know that they're not, they're not making the amount of money because single player games just don't make that amount of money. Know, right. That's like, what sucks. Yeah. That, that's why EA wants to invest in a game like Anthem. But in terms of, um, prestige entertainment and uh, a value for your money type of entertainment in this medium the water cooler type stories right. I think it's that kind of game from my perspective but it's subjective everybody's going to have a different opinion about that stuff yeah exactly and like you said that's why there's so many outlets that's why there's so many games now for every person as long as yeah. someone's playing a game it's good for the whole industry right yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's the way most people, most publishers are thinking about it and stuff. I just, I, I guess, selfishly, as from a you know a storyteller's perspective, from a producer's standpoint, and and from pitching games to to broadcasters for so long, I've I, I've I've wanted games to to cross thresholds. I've wanted yeah. them to matter to more people, you know, because as much as you like them and I like them, most people don't give a shit about them. Yeah, and I, and I I really wanted people to care and to know and to 
you know, a perfect example was last year I was in Toronto when um, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, at that point, now I'm hooked on watching Stephen Colbert on YouTube okay. and watching uh, uh, the U.S. political shit show right. on YouTube, like the breakdown and all the stuff that's going on. It's like, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, that, so, you know, when I'm getting up and sort of having my breakfast and getting ready right. and when I'm traveling, like that's what's on in the morning with, with my, my, my morning, uh, rituals. Sure. Uh, but last year I happened to be listening to the CBC radio when I was okay. in Toronto and on the day that Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, and I think at that time, and it may still hold this record, it was the biggest launch of any yeah. product that a human being had ever created. Mm-hmm. Nobody had spent more money buying a thing than the launch of Red Dead Redemption Two. Right. Um, on the on, oh, for an opening weekend, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think I brought it up on the show too when it actually happened. Yes, you're right. It's for the opening weekend. It's I think the actual quote is it's the biggest entertainment weekend open for anything that's you could physically sell. So, something like that. Yeah, and. CBC didn't mention it at all, at all. Of course, it did not come up, and I thought this business is really fucked. Like, how do how do we do this? Right. How do we become so inconsequential to people that it. It, it just won't even come up? You know, I like know. people will talk about the Marvel box office. People will talk about all the day. box office of Charlie's Angels, <laughs> which was a flop. I know, but we all know. That it was a flop, right? Even if we don't want to know that, it was a flop. And ter- yeah. like the Terminator movie flopped, we all know that. Yeah. But we don't know that the biggest entertainment property ever conceived was a video game. <laughs> that's the failure on the part of the medium to kind of matter to more people, and that's and you know it's a it's a weird thing because it is the biggest thing financially. So that's a win, of right? Course. And that's that's a uh, uh, that's good enough for the bookkeepers. It's like, yeah, look at look at how much money we made. Mm-hmm. But if you boil down the um, the cost of it to the amount of people that bought it, right. it's not equivalent to how many people go and see an Avengers. How, how many people go and see an Avengers opening or mm-hmm. a Spider Man movie or Frozen Two, and the I guess the the rampant amount of of uh, media around the launch of Frozen or the launch of um, you know I want that for games you yeah, know of course. We, and like and Red Dead Redemption Two was noisy comparative right like there was yeah. a lot of stuff in the video game space mm-hmm. but you got to be already in there already it's true it's more equivalent to the sports world yep. than entertainment right. And I want games to get into entertainment space. I want I want games to kind of. Oh, here's another great example. Norman Reedus was just on uh, uh, Fallon, I guess. Okay. It was, yeah, it was on Fallon. I watched it on YouTube because uh, who watches anything on TV anymore? And uh, and uh, you know he's plugging the new season of Walking Dead, and then he's got that other ride show. Okay, didn't yeah. mention Death Stranding. Didn't even mention it. Are you serious? It, didn't come up in his interview wow right that's crazy you know it wow. and yeah this is the shit that i pitched electric playground on brother in 1995 this is what i said 
you know, Shaquille O'Neal will go on a talk show and he'll talk about his basketball and his rap album and maybe his sneaker line or whatever. But he's got nowhere to go to talk about the video games that he's in Mm -hmm. and the ones that he's playing. That's true. We're that show. We still need that show. It's true. We We still need that content, you know. And the video game industry is happy to just let, you know... YouTubers who are getting all their information off of Reddit be the uh, the spokespeople for our medium right now, and that's sad. I know it is. It, it is a sad, like you said, it's a good time and it's a sad time. But uh, yep. it really sucks. Okay, I don't want to take up more, much more of your time because I'm sure I could talk all night your ear off about video <laughs> games. But before we get into the dumbass of the week, what's a franchise, either movie or video games, that you want to see make a strong comeback? Uh, you know, I've, I've done this segment recently on our channel and I love it. It's, um, you were talking about how you'd like to play some more classic stuff. This has been a, a banner year for me to play 16 bit stuff. I completely mm-hmm. obsessed over that, uh, Sega Genesis mini, but I created the segment called, uh, uh, 16 bit superheroes. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I have the analog systems, the analog, uh, mega SG and the super NT and I freaking love them. They, they let you play. Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo cartridges. So I've gone oh, down wow. and I've tracked down a bunch of these old superhero games right. that I missed. Some of them I had, but I was really transitioning to the PlayStation and launching EP um, sort of in the mid-90s as some of these superhero titles were starting to hit uh, these old consoles. But Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 was my favorite game last year. Okay. And I just kept thinking about how I loved superhero video games. I loved Arkham. Uh, and I want more of them. And, and I wanted to play a bunch of these 16-bit games. So I, I've gone back and I've played a bunch of those. And what I feel is there's two things here. We, every game we play tur- turns their hero into a superhero, okay. gives them abilities and powers that are very um, uh, larger than life and very accentuated into a superhero kind of mold. Mm-hmm. But we don't get enough superhero games. We get Batman. We get Spider-Man. Um, and we get like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance where we collect a bunch sure. of them. But every superhero, if you think about it, is deserving of uh, a massive 3D, incredible experience. I agree. You know? yeah. I love, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's just the incredible um, escapism. I am not, I, you know, I can't believe we live in a world where we have a million TV shows and a million superhero movies. But that's all part of why I want more video games but the other side of it is i feel like 2d games could also come back with superhero stuff so so. i would love to see like a 2d daredevil game or a 2d blade game or um you know that wolverine game that uh uh that came out a few years ago the r-rated one that raven worked on was terrific you know yes you're right yeah and i i I don't know i i love i love those characters they already have 80 years of backstory and lots of yep. different lore to dig into. It's been really cool to see how imaginative some of those 16-bit titles have been when they didn't have any horsepower and all they had was imagination. Um, so I'd like to see more of those. And I totally get it that people are saturated and, and uh, you know overdone with with superheroes. I get it. But my argument is... We are playing superhero video games um, under the guise of something else, and it would be great to like play a Cyclops game and see how cool he is. You know, um, the Hulk Ultimate Destruction is an incredible game that Radical mm-hmm. made a few years ago. 
Uh, and it would be great to get something like that again with the Hulk, you know, or a killer Iron Man game. I guess we're going to get the Iron Man VR game. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that the Avengers is coming and these studios are working on it. Presumably we're going to get a new Arkham announcement pretty soon. There you go. Uh, but uh, I don't know. The, the, the pool is massive. You know, the yeah. fact that we have a Captain Marvel, Black Panther and Wonder Woman and Doctor Strange films right. that are massive successes, Ant-Man, Ant-Man and we yeah, don't have Ant- games at, at all about those characters, whether they're th- 2D or 3D. I mean, they're back, they're, they're backup characters in uh, fighting games and, and uh, the Ultimate Alliance, but um, there's a lot that could be dug into with that stuff, you know, and I, I want more of those. It's true, because actually, right now, to tell you the truth, I'm playing um, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. I think that's yeah. the one. And Incredible, right? Every time I'm choosing, like I'm playing a mission, or whatever, with a character, I'm like, why can't I have a full game of this character? And there's so many, yeah. like you said, nuances, backstories that people don't even know about. Why not just let everyone know and make it a hit, right? But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, why don't why don't we have a Spider Verse game? You know, where we can play. Like, there you go. One of my favorite superhero games is um, Spider Man Shattered Dimensions, oh, where he goes through different yes. eras and times. That was an awesome and, game. Uh, You're right. Yeah, I'd like a, I'd like a remake of that or a sequel to that, and I, you know, so those kinds of games. I also love. Uh, I, I have a segment called Buried Treasures where I talk about yes. uh, excellent games that uh, were forgotten, and Sab- the Saboteur comes up quite often. I love that game. Um, PsyOps, although Control sort of covered a lot of that this year, that kind of uh, telekinetic thing. Again, very mm. super heroic-like. Yeah, I, I think Remedy would be an awesome superhero video game company, actually. Um, yeah, anyways, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I, I love. No, that's awesome. Again, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I'm Again, same generation, same thing. I love the side-scrolling beat-em-ups like the... Uh, Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles, the old Avengers yep. game, like all Maximum Carnage. I know that's one of your favorites too. Like all yep. these type of yep. games, it's just just something about it. It's so simple, but so much fun at the same time, right? Yeah, and I, I play I play them, you know, with my uh, seven year old daughter and my five year old nephew. I put them on in front of them, and they're like, "This is cool," you know. And then I'll throw on Luigi's Mansion, and there's not like this huge delineation. It's not like right? Luigi's Mansion is way better than than maximum carnage you know it's like or even that captain american avengers game on on the sega genesis really rudimentary but it's still Mm -hmm. really cool you know and uh the turtles man that's an endlessly replayable game the turtles in time game yes play that forever on the super nintendo no kidding (laughs) all right ready for the dumbass of the week sure (laughs) it's not me is it no 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 it's not you (laughs) don't worry it's no one from ep this time around (laughs) That would be a good show where you invite the person that is the dumbass of the week, and you you spill that at the end. So you are the. It could have been Don Cherry, actually. That would have been an awesome episode. Can you imagine if that was the basis of the show? I just invite people on, and at the end, you know what? I don't like you. You're a dumbass. Thanks for coming aboard, buddy. (laughs) So this week's dumbass comes from New Jersey. And okay, you travel a lot. You you're usually on uh, airplanes a lot yes. f- for your career, right? Yep. And I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot, and I'm not going to say anything. But me, I used to travel a lot and going to Portugal back and forth. The one thing we used to, I'm saying in quotation, smuggle was a lot of food. Like you know what I mean? That's like the basis. Like you bring in right. some extra sausage, a fruit here and there. Like you know what I mean? Even though you're yeah. not supposed to, like your grandmother shoves it in there. What, what are you going to say? No, right? So you bring it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most weirdest thing that you would think that you brought on 
an, an oh, airplane. Dude, I got I got caught smuggling an Atari twenty six hundred across the border with my mom. My what? mom threw me under the bus. What? She, I bought it in, in uh, over the border, okay. and we were going to cross the border, and she knew that that it was there. But uh, <laughs> I guess she didn't want to like. I don't know, get in big trouble or whatever, sure. so that the the officer at the border coming coming in from Washington into uh, into BC yeah. said, "What is that thing back there, ma'am?" And my mom turned to me and said, "I don't know. What is that, Victor?" Oh no! <laughs> and it was my it was my Atari twenty six hundred, <laughs> and so they they pulled us over and and uh, they, they impounded it, and we had to come back and and uh, pay basically for the whole thing again and i was able to take it home so that was an important <laughs> lesson learned there uh and i i was pissed at my mom at the time but it's like okay whatever it was water under the bridge <laughs> and it's a funny story now but i've got an awesome story about security coming in oh. um uh from toronto actually okay. i was after a fan expo and uh and um i had bought a a halo action figure or something like that sure and it had a little gun with it, and uh, so I'm going through with my my action figure, and it has this little rifle, like little palm-sized, tiny little rifle. Okay. And uh, they pull me to the side, and they say, "What is this?" Yeah. I said, "What's well, the rifle for my action figure?" So well, you can't bring that on board. Are it's you like, kidding me? It's a toy. It's a yeah. toy rifle. It fits in my palm. Like okay. I took a picture of it, and I think I put it on Instagram. Right. And uh, they they. They were seriously gonna. They were gonna pull it out of my carry-on. They were gonna take it away, and I was like, "This is for a fucking toy." I can't, I couldn't believe it. And and they called their supervisor over, and they and they said, "Yeah, you can take this. This is fine." But oh, okay. the, the people were so judicious that that stopped. Like, and there was two of them at least right. before the the boss came over and said, "Yeah, this is okay. You can oh. carry this on board." But that was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. Oh my God. Well, I guess it's a good thing if they're that serious about it. At least they're doing their job, right? You never know. Yes, yes, yeah. So as much yeah, as we complain, it, it's a necessary evil, right? But that's a perfect yep. segue into the dumbass because this dumbass decided to bring a toy, a replica toy gun, but not any replica toy gun, a replica toy gun of a toilet paper dispenser. So it looks like a gun, but it you put the toilet paper on the gun? Yes. So it's like you see the gun and it, underneath, instead of where I guess, I don't know, instead of the barrel or whatever, it's an actual dispenser that goes around and around and you just click it off. And oh, I see. Way. So it's a, like a big, huge gun. Exactly. And put the paper around. The, what an idiot. On his like, carry-on. I, well, you know what? If he put it in his luggage, it would have been pulled over too, though, right? Wouldn't well, it? no, that's what they said. Because actually, you're not allowed. To, and here, maybe this is why you got flagged. You're not allowed to bring any replica toy gun, anything that resembles a gun, on your carry-on. Okay. So you're allowed to bring it in your suitcase. If uh, I pulled out my little Halo gun on the plane and people freaked out. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God, he's got a gun! And it's like a tiny little, like... You hold it in two fingers. Oh. And then you see the U.S. Marshal come and tackle you, and it's a whole big scene. <laughs> oh, my God. I was I was a bit pissed at that time, I remember. I could not believe the, that they were so anal about that, but uh, oh. they were just doing their job. I, I guess what it is is, like, I travel so much, and I'm pretty streamlined. Right. With I mean, I bring a lot of electronics, but, like, sure. it's all packed in there, and... and uh, 
I, I try to get through security as quickly as possible, and then to be pulled over from a toy gun right. for an action figure, I was I could not believe that. But this guy, of course, he was going to get pulled over for a gun, like it was a scale, like two scale gun model. Yeah, pretty much exactly to scale. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> And it was black arrested? and every it looked it looked like a real gun. Like honestly, it did look like a gun. Did they get arrested? No, they just again they pulled them, they flagged them, and then they as soon as they pulled it out, because through the X-ray machine you can't really exactly see it. You just see the shape, right? So as soon as they opened yeah. their bag, they're like, "Oh, okay." And then they they literally called him a dumbass and said, "Nah, you need to put it in your your suitcase, or you just got to get rid of it." So, <laughs> isn't it heartbreaking when? Um you see people have have uh, put something in their carry-on that they bought while they were on vacation or whatever right. and it's like a like i did it once i had a bottle of wine and i had to throw it away but okay. uh, uh it's it's just the worst i see it with maple syrup all the time where people <laughs> go through from canada and, and 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 they've got their their awesome maple syrup collection and then they go no you you can't carry this onto the plane you got to throw it away or you got to you got to send it to yourself somehow and then people just throw it away and then they, they literally throw it into the garbage you know the five oh like, my god see no not me i'm cheap models. this happened yeah. to me once to me and my wife actually we were on vacation this would be the last story and then we, we could plug our shit and get out of here but we were on vacation i think it was jamaica i believe and then we were trying to bring extra beer on our carry-on and then they noticed yeah. and then they're like no no you can't you can't bring it. And we're like, well, I guess we have to throw it out. They're like, no, just go over there. And if you want, you could just drink it all before you come on. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are chugging these beers, passing some out, just so we wouldn't have to throw them out. Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> Getting hammered in Jamaica. I guess that's Jamaica for you. Well, it is. <laughs> there it is. That's awesome. Love it. So thanks again, uh, Vic, for coming aboard. It's been a blast. I hope you had a good time as well. Yeah, I sure did. Perfect. Now's Thank your time. You. Plug your shit, as they say. Where could people find you? What's up and coming? Okay. Uh, you can find all of our stuff on our channel on, on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash EPNTV, EPNTV. Uh, or you can find our, our website is EPN.TV. Um, and uh, we make a lot of content. We have a live streaming show that we do um, uh, a few times a week. And... Um, uh, we're, we're also posting regular videos all the time. We flood people's uh, mailboxes with information, but uh, <laughs> we like to keep busy and we like to, to work on fun things. That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, listen to all the great sponsors. Helps them out, helps me out, and obviously go to the merch store, do all that fun stuff, rate, subscribe, review, and that's a wrap, as they say. One last question before I let you go. Yeah. When are you going to bring back Vic's Basement? I want to. I really do. Yeah, I think that there's, um, I, I think this last couple of years has been really important to kind of focus a lot on EP Live, but we're, uh, we're thinking of maybe some, you know, we're always making changes and, and, and additions and things like that, so we... Uh, 2020 might be the return of Vic's basement. There you give, go. Give me a little bit of uh, time to be a little bit more long form with some of these folks that I know, which would be great. That's awesome. And before I forget, don't you people forget who are listening. The DP Awards are coming up. This is my third annual DP Awards where all the guests throughout the year are nominated for awards. So you will be nominated, Vic. You'll also be in the same category as some of your friends, Jose Sanchez and, and Steve Tilly, and amongst other people in the video game industry. So look out for oh, that. Oh, cool. 
All right. Well, hopefully one of those guys wins. Well, Steve was scared. He was telling me to push you till next year so he wouldn't have competition with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope people vote for Steve. That would be awesome. I love those guys, and I miss them very much. (laughs) Perfect. On that note, he's Vic. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. 